Oh, you know what? I'm going to start. Let me let me get my thing out. <laughs> Marker. <Wow. laughs> Had to happen. <laughs> wow, that was amazing. Wow, it is. It's a great day. It's episode 15. You know that, right? Yeah, I've heard that. It's episode 15 of On Taking Pictures, and uh, we're a weekly podcast. We're doing these every week. So if you are uh, only in, you know, single digits that you've listened to, you need to go back and catch up, right? Yeah. We've uh, almost, almost three months worth. Almost. And and some of them have even been good. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that from some yeah. people. From, from some people. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadeAndBlurred.com. And with me is Bill Wadman, editorial portrait photographer over in Brooklyn, New York. Hi, Jeffrey. How are you? All the way across the country. Doesn't that kind of, isn't technology amazing? We, we, we're going to talk a little bit about how amazing technology is because we had one of the most amazing examples of technology in recent memory happen uh, in the last couple of days. But wait, let's give him a few seconds to guess what it is. Okay, can we be like Tony Robbins? <laughs> turn off, turn off the tape. <laughs> like personal power, turn off the tape. Apparently, recently at a Tony Robbins thing, a bunch of people actually burned their feet and had to go to the hospital on one of his firewalks. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's what happens when you walk on like four thousand degree coals. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. What, what was the wonderful, <laughs> fantastic technology thing that happened? I don't. Uh, you know what? I'm curious about it. There's a hint. Mm, I see huh? what you did there. You see what I did there? Yeah. I think I it's, it's almost as if you're probing for an answer. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> that was pretty good. Actually. Yeah, thank you. That was better than mine. Uh, yeah, so uh, Curiosity, the Curiosity rover uh, safely touched down on the Martian surface. Yeah, the planet Mars. Yeah, 350 million miles away. Eight-month journey. Um, and I, you know, you and I were talking while watching it live and I was giddy. Oh yeah. I really was. was. I I was a a, a 10 year old boy again and just amazed at, at things far beyond my comprehension. Oh yeah, absolutely. And there was a really great quote the other day. Um, here, let me see where it is. Uh, uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. The guy who was the the head of the um, president's space advisor, okay, uh, president's science advisor, John Hold- Holdren, said, "If anybody has been harboring doubts about the status of U.S. leadership in space, well, there's a one-ton automobile-sized piece of American ingenuity, and it's sitting on the surface of Mars right now." Ah, <laughs> oh, see, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it really is. That's pretty. Awesome. And and now to put this in perspective for people that may not have have watched it or or be into it give, give a little perspective on on what kind of an engineering and and systems feat this was to make this thing happen well this is a really really big rover i mean I, this is the largest one we've put on mars so far um by far so so far we had the so- uh, sojourner uh which was about 15 years ago or so right which was basically like an rc car sized kind of thing i mean it was right. bigger than that it was like a foot long um, which rolled around, which was pretty amazing at the time that they control it from America or, you know, from the, from the earth rather. Um, and then the next, the spirit and opportunity rovers, when they put them down, those actually used airbags to land. 
Mm-hmm. So they were like medium sized, like, you know, the size of your kitchen table. Um, and they came in, they used parachutes to slow down a little bit. And then these big giant, uh, airbags blew up all around them and they sort of bounced on the surface until they came to a standstill. And then the bags deflated and the rover was sort of inside, uh, which is pretty amazing that they made that work too. Sure. Could you imagine bouncing a thing on Mars and somehow nope. all the electronics still work? Nope. Um, but for this one, apparently it was so big that uh, the parachutes wouldn't be enough and the it was too big to do the airbags. So they came up with this maneuver called the sky crane. Yeah. Just amazing. So, okay. So it's flying towards Mars and uh about, it enters the atmosphere at 13,000 miles an hour. Yeah. It's 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 there's and in 7 minutes it slows down from 13,000 miles an hour till to stop on the surface. Um and the way it did this is so it slows down in the atmosphere just from friction, the heat like the old school uh, capsule kind of thing. Um and then parachutes pop out and those slow it down to I think 2500 feet per second or something like that some yeah. still pretty at, fast at like 11 g's yeah like yeah. okay and then the cool part starts the bottom pops off of this capsule and there the, the inside of of the actual spacecraft um there there are rockets that fired downward to sort of slow it down so that this thing was sort of retro firing all the way towards the ground um until it got about 20 meters above the ground so like 60 feet and then it hovered there, and the actual rover came down on a cable. Yeah. Like, uh, they just lowered this thing down yeah. to and, a gentle touchdown yeah. and then, on the and surface. Then, and then the, the sky crane part kind of, like, goes down until it touches the ground. The cables automatically snap away, and the sky crane part flies off into the distance to, I'm assuming, crash. Uh, so it doesn't land on the thing. And all of this happens completely automatically because it all happens in seven minutes and it takes 14 minutes for the signals to get from Earth to Mars. So they have no control over it. They could just sit there and watch it happen. So it's controlling itself. Yeah. The crazy thing is that when they were watching it happen, not only had it already happened, but even when they started the uh, entry, uh, descent and landing phase, the EDL phase, even when it started that it was already on the ground for seven minutes at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is just crazy to me. So they're watching this from afar, hoping that all these things in succession are working now, not and only it's already sitting there, not only did opportunity, you know, did all this happen with opportunity, but they also had, um, the odyssey, uh, satellite up in the observer up, uh, they have a, um, Mars satellite called, uh, uh odyssey named after, uh, Arthur C. Clarke. Um, 2001, uh, which they actually had it retract its antenna, rotate 80 degrees or something, and then put its antenna back out so that it could pick up signals from the new rover and transmit yeah. them to Earth. Yeah. And apparently this thing has been there for like 10 years and no one's ever made it turn anything like that. So they didn't even know if it would turn <laughs> anymore. And it did perfectly. And it picked up the signal while it was going through the atmosphere. And they had another satellite taking pictures. Yeah. Photographing the thing. You can see the parachute as this thing is descending. Falling toward, down towards uh, the ground. It's, just wrecking me. It was so cool. It is so cool. <laughs> These are things moving at thousands of miles an hour, hundreds of miles away from each other, and taking pictures of each other on another planet. Yeah. 
Does, we we have this stuff like sewn up. Not that we don't make mistakes every once in a while, but like, wow. Yeah. You know, if Carl Sagan was alive today, he'd be like, holy crap, you people. Yeah. You, got, you guys got it going on. Yeah. Um, so the cool thing about this, though, is that, you know, we have eyes on Mars, you know. Um, yeah. it, was, great, it was pretty amazing. Did you see the posts I put up about uh, the computer on Opportunity? Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of the same thing that's that's powering the airport extreme. Uh, oh, well, that's the that's the operating system. They the all OS, use VxWorks. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the, the CPU is essentially radiation hardened because they have to have radiation hardened stuff to go through space and not mess up, right? Because if you have radiation slamming on a CPU, all kinds of errors happen and it doesn't work right. Sure. So they have to do all kinds of crazy stuff to make it work. But the logic on it is essentially uh, what they used in the old G3 Apple computers. Amazing. Like 15 years ago. Yeah. And that's what's on this rover that's on another planet right now. So, so literally, your iPhone is more powerful, computing way, power. Yeah, way more powerful. Way more powerful than than a rover on another planet oh. nearly half a billion miles away. Yeah, and this, you know. Somebody said, you know, it costs about $7 per American to put this thing up there. And hmm. everyone's like, that's less than a cost of a movie. Think about the, all the drama you've gotten already. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've gotten way more than two hours worth of enjoyment out of this. Yeah. Um, so, so we have this rover on the planet, and they're going to, you know, do all kinds of tests and stuff. The crazy thing is that they actually uh, got pictures back about a minute after it landed uh, of its wheel on the ground. Mm-hmm. So we know that it's there. We know that the cameras are working. And now it's just a matter of checking out all of the subsystems and things got a laser that can ablate rock and then measure the stuff that comes off to figure out what's in it, like a spectrometer. It's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 super neat. Yeah. And uh, it was very cool to be able to see that and and to see the joy on on the systems team at JPL when when they got the word that it was down safely when they when they said you know we have wheels down on mars yeah the room just exploded and that was so cool to see especially elvis yeah <laughs> exactly you know the stars on on the sides oh, i was i was thinking the the head guy who was okay, in that yeah. article uh, oh what is what is his name he is John uh, something or other the mechanical systems lead yeah uh what is his name god he was cool yeah uh his name is adam stelsner oh there you go Adam Stelzner. Good stuff. Yeah, very cool. Congratulations I'll, to all of them. So I'm all for technology. Yeah, science is cool. Um, I think we should probably get to more photo-y stuff. More photo-y stuff. <laughs> Although we will show photos when, when some cool photos start to come back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I'm sure yeah. there's going to be amazing stuff coming back. Yeah, um, yeah. Very soon. Yeah, their composite images, uh, the, the previous set of images, were they were turning out some amazing things. So I can't imagine what this one's going to do. Yeah, and I think this thing has a stereo camera, too. Ah, that's, that's... Dangerous? That's very... Yeah, that's very cool. It's just neat. Yeah, it is neat. Uh, all right, well, you know, we have some feedback from last week. Hit me. Uh, we had a, a, a guy talking on the blog, uh, a comment back from Hugo Sharp. Okay. Um, and he, Hi, Hugo. Hi, Hugo. Uh, basically, he says, um, you know, technology is a great thing, but it's it's a double-edged sword, right? It, it, uh, technology allows everyone to play in the big leagues, but it also means that everyone's in the big leagues. So everything you see, everyone else has all those advantages as well, right? Sure. Um, and that looking at stuff online and that kind of thing can often be very disheartening uh, because you see just the best of the best all the time. And he asked, uh, he says, I often think of disengaging from the stream just to be left to my own internalizations for a while. 
for all the benefit of keeping up to date, I think a lot of it is an addiction or information gluttony. Am I making sense here? Is there a merit to an internet diet? What do you think of that? I, th- I think unplugging occasionally is a great idea. Define occasionally. Uh, I, well, I, you know, it really depends on how much you need, air quotes, uh, the internet. Um, if you've got a job that, that requires you to be online and, and, you know, you do a, a, a fair bit of business online, then that's going to be harder for you to unplug. But if you're a, a freelance artist or photographer that, that can make self-imposed blackouts from, from the social streams or, or, you know, that kind of thing, I don't think it's a bad thing. Okay. Um, that's fair. You know, I, I, I think that, that you, you end up comparing yourself not only to the best of the best, as he says, but also the worst of the worst and trying to figure out where you fall between those two, which yeah. may or may not be uh, relevant, applicable, or even in any way true, you know, depending on the day that, that you're doing it. I know that, that, you know, you and I talk a lot about, you know, how you feel about your work on any given day. And some days you feel like you're, you're just firing on all cylinders, but then other days you feel like, you know, your work is crap and why are you doing this? And oh, you're just in these ruts. That was yesterday. Yeah. Oh, I had a bad day yesterday. So, you know, I think when, when you, when you feel those things coming on, if, if you've got the, uh, the good fortune of being able to sort of predict when you're spiraling down or when you're, when you're falling into those, those traps, unplugging might be a great idea and just, you know, either go do something else or just get out and do the work, go out and shoot. Even if it's not shooting what you normally shoot, but just to go through process and to go through, uh, the mechanics of, of making images. Do do you think that my concern whenever I do that? Well, first of all, I use, um, web email, which means I always have a web browser open, which right. is part of the trouble. Maybe I should start using mail.app or something just to connect IMAP so that I'm not always connected with a web browser. Um, yeah. There, I mean, it certainly lessens the temptation of, well, I've got a browser open, yeah. so I might as well look yeah. at this. Command T. Uh, yeah. The question is, I guess my worry, my fear, which I know is some largely unfounded, is that I'm going to miss something, you know, whatever that is. I don't know what that something is, but I feel like I'm going to miss it. You know, it's kind of like people completely real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the problem is, is that it's very rare that I see something out there that inspires me without frustrating me, Mm -hmm. you know? So I don't know what it is exactly that I'm looking to find why I would think I would find it suddenly, you know, where, when I haven't found it yet. And it's not to say there aren't things out there that inspire me. It's just that usually it also comes along with a, God, that's really good. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to do anything like that. Um, I, I, I wish I could be more disengaged. I wish I could be the kind of person who checks my email once every two hours, as opposed to having it there all the time. And when I get new messages, I'm constantly refreshing my inbox. Um, there's lots of people who, who complain about that kind of stuff, you know, um, say that you're wasting a lot of time doing that. I guess I'm just trying to multitask a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but do the, do the distractions then, d- does the multitasking become bogged down with, with distractions and, and looking at things that really aren't going to help or yeah. further what you're doing? Or even, even more so, uh, 
you know, the question is that the flip side though, is that maybe the things that you're seeing that are frustrating you are actually pushing you in ways that you wouldn't be pushed otherwise. Sure. Um, I get in some ways this is, I think it's a, I think it's a cyclical thing. I think you kind of have to go in and out. I think if, if you're, if you're never looking at other people's stuff, and I mean, this, this is a more of a general thing. It's easier with the internet, but I think this is more of a general thing across the board. If you're looking at other people's work and comparing it with your own all the time, that's bad. If you're never looking at anybody else's work, I think that's bad too. You know, I think there's, I think there's a happy medium somewhere. I lean towards, I don't, I don't go to a lot of other people's websites, but you know, I see a lot of imagery, you know, it's not like I'm constantly right. looking at other photographers sites. Um, but if I see something interesting, I'll go look the person up, you know, and perhaps even add them to the photographer of the week list. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very tough question. And I agree that it is a double-edged sword. And I agree that, uh, the technology has, has, has sort of flattened the playing field in some way. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. Um, and, and not just not just from a gear perspective, although that's true, but from a promotion perspective, from, sure. you know, you've got to wear a lot of hats as any sort of artist, whether it's a, a painter, a photographer, a writer. You've got to be, you know, your own social media expert. You've got to be your own editor. You've got to be your own art director. You've got to be, you know, the list goes on. Um, promotion's hard. Promotion is really good at it. Yeah. I'm not good at, I am not good at selling myself. I am not good at talking myself up. All evidence to the contrary. Um, I just, I don't like it. I don't like talking about my accomplishments. Right. Um, I feel like a jerk doing it. So even, even when I can back up my talk with action, I feel weird about doing it, you know? Well, I think that's, I think a lot of people probably share that same sentiment. I think anybody who's ever had to write a bio for their website, I mean, it's painful. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Because you don't want to sound like a complete tool, but you you also don't want to sound like you're so self-deprecating that you don't believe in yourself. Oh, exactly. No, exactly it. Right. So I think, but that's, that's almost that identical battle is going on in your head all the time between believing yourself in a positive way and also deprecating yourself. Um, there are some people who don't, you know, I've, I've, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who had met some famous internet photographers and, uh, and he said, the guy is just, he's just gung ho all the time. If he's, if he's kind of like, you know what? Not feeling it right now. All right. I'm going to go for a jog around the block mm-hmm. and then I'll feel better and I'll do some sit-ups and then I'll be ready to go. Where I think there's merit to that. Uh, absolutely. Where I will go take a nap, you know, which is not the right thing to do, <laughs> but I will do that. Um, it's going to be interesting as this show goes forward, because right now I'm sort of in this weird slump mm-hmm. creatively. It's going to be interesting for our, for our long-term viewers to uh, listeners to watch how my opinions change as I'm on a high or on a low. I think it will be interesting. Yeah. Hey, uh, before I forget what was, we had, we had somebody 
write in and say it, it was hard to listen to you because you sound like Tom Cruise. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Yeah. So I, I'm just going to every once in a while, I'm just going to sneak in the random Tom Cruise quote just to mess with you. OK, sure. So I have to works. find them or is this like a drinking game? Oh, that would be kind of fun. No, because <laughs> I mean, no, no, it shouldn't be a drinking game. You sure? No, but but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and sneak some in every once in a while and 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 see if you uh, if you can pick up where they're from. Do you actually have, big, Do you have a list? Uh, I I'm. You're working on a list. I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So pathetic. That's not pathetic. I think it's fun. Yeah. So uh, I, I've got a list of a growing list of uh, of Tom Cruise quotes um, that I'm, I'm going to fire off every once in a while. Okay. Um, so also this week, um, last week we talked about a friend of mine who had borrowed a film camera. Yes. Yeah. How'd that go? So it went okay, but not all that well. Um, she took, because of the advice that we gave. (laughs) Yeah. Our advice was terrible. Um, I think our advice was a little too late. I think she was needed the advice the day or two before, but we missed it, but it's okay because our advice even if he did, would not have fixed the problems. Okay, um, so what happened? So here's 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 some of the problems. One, uh, she was shooting. I think it was at a wedding or something, and she wasn't the wedding photographer. She just brought it to a wedding. Um, she said a lot of the action shots were not very good. She said she had problems because the pictures came out and uh, the uh, shots of. The, the priest or whoever was officiating had a big giant white thing on that was glaring in the sun and you know the guy's in a black it's the whole white dress black tux thing right the classic wedding photographer problem sure um and so she said that you know that was a problem so that the white just kind of blew out and was this big white blob in the pictures uh and um she took some other stuff by the ocean and apparently she didn't notice, but a lot of like sort of this haze of sea salt ended up on the, you know, in front of the, the lens. Mm, um, okay. So I, you know, she had, she had a number of different problems. Now, some of them, she she got a few shots that were really nice, but it, it was usually when the light was a little more even, you know, it's also in the afternoon, a wedding, right? Not great light to be shooting in outside. Um, she was shooting with like 400 speed film. She got the prints back and she had them done at uh, Ritz camera or one of those places. Right. Okay. Uh, and she was telling me though that, you know, she like the whole problem with the blowing out and the black. Right. I have noticed myself, and this is just a quick little aside is that when I bring my film to even the place down by me, which is not like a CVS, it's like this little photo store run by this Chinese couple that if they process my film and then they make me prints, if I go back and that the machine that does the prints tends to do sort of an auto levels kind of thing. Okay. Where it 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 wants to make people's crappy pictures look better. And so it increases contrast by doing auto levels. So it brings the lowest thing up to black and the brightest thing down to white. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, first of all, this is not always what you want. And second of all, in order to make them even more punchier, a lot of times it'll clip on both ends. It'll like take almost, it'll like kind of move in a little too much from white so that some of the whites just get squashed some of the highlights just get squashed to white and some of the blacks just or shadows get squashed to black um so the whole thing's just really getting crushed from both ends exactly okay um and i've noticed that myself when a lot of these automated machines make prints that's what happens 
So it may be that there is more information on the film than the printer is showing her. Maybe um, this is a this is a possibility. Mm. I've noticed it myself. So then I can I can go home and scan the film and get way more highlights or more shadow out of something. Often, all right. Do, do we think she would have had better results shooting digitally? I mean, is that is that kind of where you're going? Is it it's, okay, it was so the interpretation of the lab? The funny thing is, well, she also was trying to shoot action shots, which I think she had problems focusing. Okay. Uh, because the autofocus on this old rebel was not very good. And, uh, and so a lot of them were out of focus and things were moving fast, right? So she didn't have a lot of time to change settings and that kind of thing. She then told me that she got much better results from her iPhone. Huh? And because part of which is, I could see that because she could see what she was doing. Right. Sure. Which is okay. the big thing about digital is the, that's one of the big advantages. So she, if, if she had had a digital SLR, she could have some of the same advantages. Right. Um, it, 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 she, it, uh, I, it, you know what it is? This is proof of a number of things. One, it's proof that film is not a panacea, right? That, that film is not the answer to everything. Film is not like the best thing that ever happened. And ever since, uh, film is going away. Like that's why we have worse pictures and that kind of stuff. Right. The film is hard to shoot. Well, especially like 35 millimeter film and bright lights. You have all the same problems you have with a digital SLR, but you can't even tell if you got the picture or not because it's film. Right. You know, um, so it proves that it's not like this magic juice that you can spray upon uh, bad images and, oh, but I shot them on film, therefore they look beautiful. You get bad pictures in film, too, you know? Sure. Um, so, yeah, she even said, you know, if you if you show these pictures to people, the ones I took on my phone and the ones I took on this fancier camera, almost everyone would choose the ones you took on the phone. It's very obvious. Hmm. Which I thought was interesting. And, and I think that that is part of part of what made photography more of a craft back in the day was that film wasn't automatic and it wasn't easy, you know, that, that it took time and it took patience. And she even said, you know, I could keep doing this and probably get better at it, but it's going to cost me a lot of money. It was $14 a roll for her to get them the processed and prints. Plus what $5 for, so almost a dollar a frame. So you're at 20 bucks a roll. Yeah. Wow. You know, and that gets expensive fast. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you could buy film cameras cheap, but the film and processing, if you shoot enough. Right. And especially if you're learning, you're not going to be as selective because you don't know what you're being selective about. Exactly. Yeah. And I often find that when people are comparing film to digital, they're, the the average person is not, well, first of all, they're not printing their digital pictures, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so even if you were the kind of person who, who shoots with like a little, say you have an old little rebel digital camera or whatever, and you're taking lots of pictures of your kids and at some wedding or whatever it is, if you got those printed out as four by sixes, that's the real sort of comparison to the film camera you used to get when you used to get prints all the time. Right. Right. But most people are comparing film pictures as very small prints. If you blow them up or look at the negative or whatever it is, a lot of times these things are not very sharp. You know, last year, uh, Heather and I went and scanned a box of pictures of from her family, you know, like a old um, 
old like family shots from like the 50s and 60s and stuff. And they looked kind of cool. It's like these little two and a half or three inch or four inch little square prints, you know, some of those old ones. Um, but then you go look at them or you scan them and you look at them up close and you're like, wow, it's you're actually in focus on the car behind the guy. Mm-hmm. And the guy is way out of focus, but you wouldn't notice that if it was just, you know, shorter. Right. Um, or, you know, if you're looking bigger. So it's just, it's interesting. Last, last night I, um, I was taking these headshots of this client and, uh, I had just gotten my camera back, which we'll get to in a minute. And I, they had put a new firmware on. So some of my settings were kind of all over the place. So I was kind of fighting with the camera a little bit. Wait, wait. So you send it in for, for this, this eight way joystick to get fixed and they took the liberty of updating the firmware for you as well. Yes. But I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Uh, but I, I was taking longer. What we, what we were trying to do with this guy is take more headshotty kind of things, which is not normally what I do, but you know, he seems like a good client and, uh, I decided to give it a shot. So I was shooting with longer lenses, like the 85, one, two and the, the, uh, 100 macro 2.8 at like F four five or five, six. Okay. The problem was I'm six, one, this guy was six, four or six, five. He was a tall guy, big guy. When you're shooting headshots, a lot of times you, you can't shoot up at people. That doesn't look good, right? You got to right. shoot down at people. Not like, flattering. Right. Either either straight on or a little bit down is ideal. The problem is this guy is six inches taller than me. So for a lot of the shoot, I was up. This was at like 6.30, 7.30 last night. So it's getting dark outside. I was up on my tippy toes trying to hold the camera, focus, and shoot. But I'm at like ISO 800. I'm at 125th of a second at F4 or 5 or something like that. And a lot of the pictures, and when I say a lot, I mean a lot, like at least a third or more are unusable because they're out of focus. Really? Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's that I was doing something weird. Like camera shake was a problem because I was also alone. So I was holding a reflector with one hand and shooting with the other with these heavy lenses. So there's camera shake. There was the fact that I'm up on my tippy toes. So I'm kind of leaning forward and back just sort of naturally in the flow of the things. So there's another problem. And it just kind of, it was a glaring thing to me that, well, first of all, I should have brought an assistant. I just didn't think it was, it was worthy of it for what we were doing. Um, and I should have brought a big Apple box or something because a lot of the pictures I got just were not good at all. Um, and so I came home last night and Heather was here and she'd had a long day and like want to watch TV. And I'm like, I got to do work. So I put them in, I put them into Lightroom and I'm flipping through and I'm like, Oh man. I mean, there were, there were plenty that were good for what we need to do, Mm -hmm. but the percentage was not my normal, you know, uh, cut so i was i was really disappointed and felt like i i'm like man did i suddenly become a really crappy photographer because <laughs> a lot of them are really bad um but it just goes to try i mean the thing is that if i printed these out at four by six you'd never you'd never see any of those problems you know it's just Probably that i'm not. zooming into 100 percent on on thing now this is this guy who's kind of like this big business guy and these pictures are going to be everywhere i have to be able to hand him something that could get blown up to two by three feet if he's giving a talk somewhere you know so you didn't have much time right i had less than an hour okay and you're you're up on your on your tiptoes yeah and, and we we shot a bunch of stuff and then we went inside and i used some kinoflow uh like movie lights because these people right. do a lot of video production 
What are you, Peter Hurley now? I know. And did some like strip lights. I was surprised. Well, first of all, I didn't really like the spectrum that came out of them. So even when you color white balanced for the lights, which were sort of tungsten balanced, the, the skin still didn't look quite right to me in that way that even when you get the white balance right on any sort of fluorescent D kind of thing, just doesn't look right to me. Hmm. Um, but you know, they, they were kind of interesting, but again, with a lot of those, it's like I was, the, the focus was behind Now I don't know if this was, this could be that the new, maybe there's some focus setting that I had before that got changed deep in the menus that I'm not noticing. Maybe I was just being sloppy. Maybe, you know, the, my lenses are out of sync with my body, which gets us into another thing a little later. Um, but I was very frustrated with my equipment yesterday, which I hate to do. Cause I just, I, I got it back on Saturday and I didn't get a chance to do, put it through its paces other than a few test shots to make sure it worked, you know? Um, but I hate, I hate going into a situation like that and having the, the my knowns, my camera and my gear and my knowledge kind of get pulled out from underneath you. you right. Know? Um, Add that to you've been looking at people who you already think are way better than you and you're already yeah. doubting yourself. Yeah. And, and so I you know haven't what shot in a week and you know a half. What what? We live in a cynical world. Uh, are you going to... Are you quoting <laughs> Madonna? A cynical world. And we work in a business of tough competitors. Oh, it's a Tom Cruise quote. <laughs> uh, Magnolia? No, Jerry Maguire. Oh, yes, you're right. Jerry Maguire. I love that movie. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> um, so, hey, so uh, the uh, Canon repair. So I sent my camera in because the nub was broken. Right. And uh, they fixed it. I lost warranty, my right? nub. You yeah, lost so, your nub. So it, it got, I sent it in last week, last Monday, got there on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I got an email saying that it was going to be covered and that they'd get it back to me in seven days. No, okay. or less than seven days. The expediency of the repair is—is is that normal for Canon, or is that because you're on this like Gold Pro membership something? Oh, what I'm is on it? the C- weak. Bra- I'm on the bronze uh, poop colored uh, Canon professional services. I don't. I okay, don't so pay you're for on CPS, the free, but like the free CPS. Right, okay. I've, I've bought enough stuff that I can be in CPS. Although, it, in fact, I bought enough stuff that I could be in platinum CPS if I really wanted to. If I wanted to spend five hundred dollars a year. Um, but that seems like it's more of a thing when people have like multiple bodies and they want to rent gear for sports events and that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, you get any sort of free cleanings with the, with the bronze? No, is that, you do with the gold, gold, but not the bronze. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm assuming they cleaned it while they did all this. So, I mean, it seems good. Uh, so I sent it in, got there on Tuesday. They wrote me back on Wednesday and I figured, you know what? This thing is like literally, I think all they have to do is put this nub on. I could probably get it back. Maybe they'll ship it out today on Wednesday. Right. Nope. Then it didn't come out back on Thursday. And then on Friday all day long, it, like nothing. I didn't get anything ba- back from them. So I went and I did a, um, you can uh, uh, track a repair. Sure. At the end of the day, I tracked a repair after we got home and uh, they said it had shipped. So they didn't send me an email to say it had shipped. It just sort of shipped. Uh, but they sent it overnight back to me with Saturday delivery. Nice. So I didn't pay shipping there. I didn't pay for the repair and I didn't pay for the overnight shipping with Saturday delivery back. So, uh, so Monday through Saturday and I got my camera back. So I give Canon 
some pretty good props. They did a good job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think they actually had to swap out the entire back of the camera because the wow. parts list sort of listed this crazy thing with like you know all kinds of extra stuff on it. Right. Um, huh. So maybe I got a new back to my camera. I don't know. Maybe the screen is like cleaned up or something. You know, any scratches? I didn't yeah, really yeah. have any scratches, but but uh, yeah, it's it's weird. And somebody else. Um, What's it called? Your friends and mine. I think it was Patrick. Uh, commented on the uh, saying that he's always had good. He's a cannon shooter, right? Yeah, Patrick's cannon shooter. He's uh, always had really good results with them yeah. with their service. Yeah. So I, I give them I give them some uh, serious props. They did a good job. Uh, but uh, hopefully, I won't have to do it again. Now, if I was up in the gold thing, apparently, I would have gotten a loaner sent to me uh, on Wednesday. And probably would have gotten there on Thursday. So I would have had a loaner for two more days if I spent $100 a year. Huh. Um, I don't know if it's worth it, though, right? I don't know. I mean, it, if if you're busy and you need, you know, if you didn't have a backup body and you're, you know, in the middle of, of things. Yeah, I mean, if you're shooting the Olympics and one of your bodies craps out, it would be nice to have a, a loaner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you see the, like, the storage rooms at the Olympics with all the cannon gear in them? I did not. It's, it, photos of them it's just lenses as far as the eye can see they and were can, it was canon storage rooms yeah it was um i don't i don't know if it was for a particular magazine i'll have to find it and send it to you but it was it was interesting yeah, put it in the show notes yeah it was um, interesting I, I remember reading a thing years ago talking about the transition there's an article in sports illustrated which maybe you can find if you have a google thing open um about the transition between shooting film and shooting digital at the Super Bowl. Okay. And how in the film days, they used to have these lab trucks out back and people right. used to shoot film like 36 frames and hand them to a runner and the runner used to run the film back to this processing lab. And so by the third quarter, they'd have pictures from the first quarter up um, where now they have runners just running CF cards back and, uh, forth. Back and forth. And there's a team of like six or eight photo editors uh, sitting in a sitting in like a, a van in the back, yeah. Uh, with like I think they were um, what they say. I remember they were ThinkPads plugged in, and they just dump all the JPEGs off, and they just go yes, 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 no, 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 no. You know, they just cut yeah. them through, and they're like, okay, put this one up, and within like thirty seconds, they can put pictures up. Did you uh, happen to see uh, the guy that's covering the Olympics for the Guardian with his iPhone? I did see that. Pretty impressive. Uh, no, they are, and they're very nice pictures. And this is there's a little bit of a rant connected to this. Okay, uh, hit me. And it's not the rant you would imagine. All right. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say that this guy's pictures are pretty darn good for an iPhone. Uh, uh, I completely agree. Yeah. Secondly, uh, yes, he's using an iPhone, but he's also using all these Schneider lenses on top and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He's like, shooting through Canon binoculars. Yeah, he's doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, he's he's putting thousands or hundreds or thousands of dollars worth of optics on top of the right. the sensor in, in the in the phone. Now, so he's really using the iPhone sensor more than exactly. He's not just standing on the sidelines with a stock. And iPhone. and we're only seeing them with on the web at six hundred pixels. Sure. Who knows what these things actually look like? You know, for real, right? Um. I think that it is a cool thing that he's doing. I also think that it is just a stunt, 
right? I don't think that anyone would choose to use an iPhone as their only camera at the Olympics unless they were going to get coverage as being the photographer who's using an iPhone to cover the Olympics. Perhaps. You know. I uh, think it helps that his photographs are really good. Yes, absolutely it does. And that's that's the second half of my rent. But but I would just like to I'm just saying that I think that to say that it's it, it's not the iPhone that make his photos good um and it's it's editing that makes the photos good it's yeah. his eye that makes the photos good yeah it's, he's a, he's really good i went through his stuff on his on his site and he's got some really nice pictures right and uh, and i think i think those are the things that make it good i also you know if he's taking thousands of pictures and and we see the best 10 Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're going to be good pictures. Sure. You know, some of these other ones on the blog, because on the same blog now, he's putting up more and more. Right. And, you know, not all of them are all that great. You know, there's some really nice ones, but then there's some sort of like, okay, well, that's a picture that a lot of people would have taken with their iPhone. Right. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, it's... See, I take that as a win. I take what you just said as a win to show that, yes, it's a great... It's a great camera for taking casual snapshots. Yeah. But if you've if you've got an eye, you can also do some really interesting things with it. It is, but there are very specific and large limitations to it. Agreed. And I think that that is one of the things that people don't like to talk about a lot uh, when it comes to oh, you could just throw out your Canon and shoot with your iPhone. It's like, well, you can as long as you have enough light as long as it's not too contrasty as long as the people are moving that much as long as you don't need to take more than one picture a second as long as you you know right right, there, right, right. there's all kinds of sort of caveats um okay now before I, i'm gonna i'm gonna guide you to another area canon and and we can come back on this or or we can we can move forward canon may or may not be releasing a medium format dslr at photokina Oh, that's interesting. Uh, with a whole new lens set? Uh, no. And that's the thing is they're saying that it will use the EF lenses, some of the EF lenses. Uh, interesting. Like some of the EF lenses can draw a large enough image circle that right. they right. could cover right, this right, right, sensor right. or whatever they're putting in it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd be interested in it. I, I own, you know, six or $8,000 worth of Canon glass. So I, I'm just, I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious about that. Uh, also, um, well, the, the other was, day I saw on, on eBay, some guy was send, selling a P65 plus, which is a 60 megapixel, right? Uh, medium format back. It was like 16 grand, right? 16 grand is like, that's not bad. 16 grand. I mean, it's a lot of money, but like, it's not, it's twice what a one D costs, right? You know, that's not outrageous. Uh, camera labs just did a, a comparison of, the D800. By the way, my rant on the iPhone thing is not done. Okay, we'll get back. I, I just want—I want to make sure we kind of cover this because it's—it's yep. it's sort of—it's sort of the same thing: sensor size yep. and and resolving power in that. Sure. They—they uh, they compared a D800 with the uh, the Phase One IQ160, and I, I wanted to get your thoughts on. I saw these. Okay, so let's go back to your rant, and, and we'll we'll come back to uh, medium format versus full frame. Okay. Uh, Twenty-four thirty-six. Well, it, 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 this is more of a, okay. So we'll go the philosophical side. We we want the philosophical side first, or the science side? Because the science side, we could follow where you were going. Let's do philosophical side first, and then we can let the science side kind of kind okay. of dovetail into the sensor thing. I've come to a revelation. That I you have, feel the need for speed. 
I am not going to poop on people who take pictures with their iPhone anymore. You shouldn't. And, and not that I was not that I was pooping on them. I guess what 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 I still don't like is the people who make things look bad on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, like do all these filters and stuff. Like I, I I'm not I'm not a fan of that. I think there is some room for that in order to make photos from the iPhone feel a little bit more organic. But the whole putting frames on things, you know, like edges and that kind of stuff. That's, like, like the sloppy borders? Yeah. That, the film, film emulation type That things. stuff feels silly to me. Okay. Um, but, you know, doing things to change contrast and color a little bit, I, I, I'm okay with that. Um, it's, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, I guess my problem is with people who talk about as if you don't need the higher tools anymore, you know? Okay. That, 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 that oh. That now that this is out, you don't need a full frame camera or even a crop sensor camera because you yeah. can get a 40 meta- megapixel Nokia phone that's. Yeah, and then, then, yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, this, this Dan Chung's guy is, I mean, shows what, what is he doing to improve them? He's putting it through really great optics, you mm-hmm. know? In which case, he's not really using the iPhone at all, <laughs> you know. Sure. Um, so it's 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 and and those are the kinds of things. It's it's speed. It's it's uh, uh, personalization. It's ergonomics. It's uh, I mean overall quality. There is a quality difference, you know. Sure. Um, there are limits and, and to what you can to do with point, a picture from your iPhone. Yeah. To your point, we're seeing these at you know six hundred pixels or less in width. Yeah. We don't know how noisy they are. We don't know how much processing he's done to get them to look this way. Is he doing the processing in camera or is he, he doesn't say, uh, yeah, they're, they're listed in, in each of the little bylines. He's using Snapseed for the bulk of it. Looks okay. like, is that good software? I've never used it. I really like Snapseed. Um, I was, play- I, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I was playing with cross process the other day. Okay. Which, sort of emulates the uh the look of like cross-processed film mm-hmm. but without looking bad it just sort of you know and ups it plays with contrast a little bit I, it's kind of neat in just yeah. a sort of a fun way but i'm not really doing anything with these and i'm not passing them off as high art you know uh, See, I, I really like snapseed i i, I will have I to like, check out the snapseed yeah i've been using photo stream and so when i take photos on my phone then they're they're automatically beamed over to the ipad and then i can mess around with them on the iPad and, and save them out. It's uh, I like how they have these uh, white water rafting indoors. Is that indoors or outdoors? Indoors. Yeah. That's kind of They like crazy. built this thing. Yep. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's like a, it's like a treadmill for white water rafters. That's yeah, that cool. I think I could, I could maybe try. I don't know. I'd probably be just as uncoordinated on that as anywhere else, though. <laughs> uh, all right, so what do we got? I suppose I could drown just as easily there as I could in the real world. <laughs> you probably could, but there's people there to save you. Um, okay, so the D800 compared to the IQ160. Um, right. First of all, what is the IQ160? It's a big medium format back uh, for, what is it? How, how 60 megapixels. Probably in the 30 grand range or so? Uh, yeah, probably. I'd say so. Um and it's you know it's let's see uh do, do, do. they took the same picture i don't know where is this picture from it's like in italy or something 
something like, like that. Um, they took as, as close as they could to the same picture with the same kind of focal length lens uh, to get the same shot with uh, a Nikkor zoom and a, a Schneider prime lens on the on the medium format, which is kind of unfair in the first place because the prime lens is going to do better than the zoom. Sure. Um, and you know what? The quality difference is not that big i mean the the medium formats much is nicer and if you had to choose the two great but what they don't talk about is the fact that the autofocus on the well the other camera probably weighs twice as much and the autofocus is slow and it can only do up to iso 400 you know what i mean there are there are there are advantages and disadvantages there are limitations and features of every single camera system out there, whether you're mm-hmm. talking an iPhone or you're talking a top of the line phase one with a, you know, phase one back. Right. Um, so we look at these things and we go, Oh my God, 72 yeah. megapixel medium format. I need one of those. Right. When in reality you may, or you may not. Yeah. And look, the, the, the Nikon has half the pixels of the phase one, but you know what? It doesn't look like it has half the pixels. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it it does a very nice job. And I'm sure the 1DS3 would ha- do a fine job. It would be a little Absolutely. bit smaller than the other one. Uh, the question is whether you'd ever see this in anything that you would ever use it for. You know? Well, and that's... I think that's, that's the ultimate question. Yeah. And it's something that I'm, I'm glad we spend a, a fair bit of time on is usability. Because I, I think photographers are so gear oriented by and large or they can be so gear oriented that the the gear the specs of the gear or the capabilities of the gear or or the gear itself often exists in a vacuum without uh the perspective of how it's going to be used yeah absolutely um so i i'm glad that we that we talk about this a fair bit because it seems like they're there's a lot of debate on what is or isn't needed again in quotes. Right. Um, you know, I, I recently, I sold my D 300. Right. And it was a fine camera. It's an amazing camera, uh, far more camera than I need on a lot of levels. Okay. Um, I don't know what I'll get to replace it. I'm looking into a micro four thirds systems because I, I like their size. I like the compactness of them. And I don't, I don't see that I would benefit from a bigger full frame camera i know that i'm not going to invest you know like you have tens of thousands of dollars in glass i know i'm not going to do that you know what you so, might think about is that new canon the g what is the g1x no, gx1 no, I, mean, I mean the little eos one. Oh, right the little the, their their new uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. little mirrorless thing because then uh, you could use ef lenses if you wanted to get crazy yeah, and that's not a bad price either. I think it's that's like seven or eight hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, you know, here's a, here's a good list. I have a shoot on Thursday. I'm shooting uh, some stuff for a big company. I think uh, like a a uh, let's see, what can I say? What do you do? A Portraits? consumer products company. No, I'm shooting uh, so oh, more a, products. A consumer products company. Well, that limits it in the U.S. economy. Okay, yeah. Make products for consumers. I'm taking pictures of some stuff that will be in an ad for a major product. Okay. I'll say that. All right. So you're shooting the new iPhone 5. That's very cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I mean, shoot. I didn't mean to. <laughs> you sneaky bastard. Um, 
And and I said to the guy, asked me, you know, if, what we were shooting, and I, you know, he told me, and I said, okay, let's try this kind of setup. I said, you know, I can just shoot it with a five D three, or you know, if you really need a bigger file, we can go rent a bigger camera. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, twenty two megapixels is way more than enough. Hmm. You know, and this thing could end up being, you know, uh, uh, subway. Uh, right. You know, the big posters they have in the subway. I mean, it's sure. that kind of thing. You know, so huh. it's, it just and, goes I mean, What the, could it cost to rent a medium format system for a day or two? 400 bucks, I think, for, I mean, a good one. And they, see, now in that, in that particular instance, I, I think I would opt to have the highest quality file I could. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, first of all, it's $400, and then you got to go pick it up and you got to go drop it off and all the rest of it. Um, and there's also the thing, it's, is it, is it necessary? You know, mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, we, we could get it, but what difference does it make? You know, is this going to really change the shot? If they don't need it that big, they don't need it that big. Right. And you know what? The files uh, with a prime lens stopped down with strobes on a tripod, the files coming to my thing are big enough to print really big posters. So, you know, if they okay. don't want bigger, yeah. they don't need bigger, you know? Sure. The thing is, is that, I mean, with medium format too, you get in a situation where if you have something that is three dimensional, you have to stop down even more in order to get the depth of field because the sensor is bigger. So mm. again, there's, there, there are trade-offs, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, it turns out it's going to be fine, but it just goes to show you, I mean, this is a big, you know, multinational corporation who says that 22 megapixels is fine. So who are these people who really think they need a 60 megapixel back? I've shot with 60 megapixel backs. They're beautiful. It's great. The images are fantastic. Is it fundamentally changing the pictures I take? No. Is it Coca-Cola? No, it's Pepsi. That's why you stop drinking Coke. You're <sighs> shooting for Pepsi, aren't you? Yeah, me and Brittany. No? What? Brit- oh, is she even relevant anymore? What are you? <laughs> what are we, in 1996? <laughs> what, is this? What, is, what is this, 99? <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, just it, just an interesting little aside. Huh. Um. What else we got? We have, uh, oh, that uh, Focal thing is pretty cool. Yeah, I'd like to try that. I'd like to see. It's a focal calibration, lens calibration system. Right. Now, you're, uh, now did, did I read it right? It's it's camera specific, so you have to order the different kit. Yeah, so have, did your D300 allow you to calibrate your lenses to the body? Yep, the okay. fine-tune. Yeah, the, uh, the D7000 does as well. Okay, yeah, so... So I guess what this software does, so I do, you know, this other podcast, the circuitous conversations with Dan. Um, and we were talking about the more super, super nerdy stuff and we got into lens calibration and, and I said how it's a pain in the ass. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever tried doing it? No. Okay. No, n- nothing that you would call scientific. I mean, yeah. I, I've set up camera on a, on a tripod and, and, you know, went through the the, the different settings on the on the uh, the fine tune scale yeah, and one. tried to compare them. Did um, you make big changes? Uh, on the fifty one point eight on my camera, I did. Okay. Did it I make it a difference a in your 12. real photos? Uh, it seemed to. But again, okay. it I was printing them, so you know right. maybe it did, maybe it didn't, maybe it was you know sharpening in post, maybe who knows. Maybe I tried yeah. to see something to justify the change that I made. I don't know. See, that's the thing, man. Once you get to a certain point, we're, we're talking about, you know, salting the, the steak. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> Chances are the steak could be just fine the way it is. Yeah. 
you know, we don't need to, you don't need to necessarily do anything to it. And you may think that doing that's going to change your world, but, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Right. Um, anyway, so, but when you're shooting with really, really wide open lenses, like my 1.2s and those kinds of things, uh, especially with the new camera, which has a much better autofocusing system. So it's much more consistent from shot to shot, from focus to focus. Um, yeah, you can make these changes. And so if, if I have my 51.2 on here, it has, it, you know, it, 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 it calibrates it differently than if I have the 85 1.2 on there. And therefore, you know, the, the focus can be better, but it's a real pain in the neck to do. What, what a lot of people do is you get a ruler and you put it at 45 degree angle from the front of the camera so that you can focus on a certain line or something on the ruler, but you can right. see where on the ruler, whether you're focused in front or in back and make changes. And it can be a real pain in the neck. It seems so, like it. So there's software, apparently, this stuff called uh, Focal by this company, um, which basically you plug your camera into your computer and there's software and you print out a chart and you put it on the wall. And the software can control your camera and focus and take pictures and analyze them and then make changes to your thing. So it automatically does it in like two, two or three minutes per lens. We should we should reach out to them and yeah we gotta see if- we gotta check this out. Apparently though, with the new with the five D Mark III, it can't be fully automatic because of some changes that were made by Canon. Oh, it, so it it can't take full control over over the camera. Yeah, or it can't change the settings once it finds them or something. Huh. Or, so or, what, a little dialog box pops up or yeah, something. Yeah, apparently there's some. It's some sort of uh, like you, you have to drive it. With the, okay. but if if a lo- if it does a lot of the work where you can take pictures of different settings, and then it does the analysis. I mean, that's the hard part, right? Is just doing that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and then you 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 at a certain distance per lens, and I think it said five meters per hundred millimeters of lens. So, you know, if you were doing a fifty millimeter lens, you'd be at like uh, two and a half meters, which is what like eight feet. So you're eight feet away from the wall, say, where you put the target and you light it well and you focus. I don't know. It's kind of a neat idea. Well, you know, having had to send a few lenses back for for sort of recalibration, I think it seems like a valuable tool. Well, that's – yeah. So apparently the problem is is that your camera and your lenses can all be in spec. But in spec doesn't mean perfect zero – Inspect means somewhere between negative five and neg- a plus five or some, you know, s- sort of range that they have, right? Right. But your your camera, your body could be at negative five, and your lenses could be at plus five, and then you're ten away from each other, and it's right, causing problems right. even though they're both in spec. Um, this is less of an issue if you're shooting zooms that are at f four. I mean, that's less of a thing. But you know, I mean, you're still you're still focusing. So I don't know. It's just interesting. I got We got to get them. We got to talk to them and try this thing out. Yeah, I, I would love to. Uh, I don't know, get, have them send you a a sample, and uh, maybe we can do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Give it a they're, review. They're in. Uh, they're in uh, uh, the the UK, so they're all watching the Olympics now. But we'll yeah. uh, when they're we'll done, we'll we'll hook them up and see if they want to sponsor the show. Ooh, sponsor! We like sponsors. Sponsors are good. Hey, speaking of sponsors, hey, you like that? That was subtle. Yeah. That was all me being subtle and whatnot. I know. We got Red River Paper again. We like them. We like them. Why do we like them? Because they're awesome. Yeah. You're, uh, you're, see, you're, the, you're the, the satin, and I'm 
I'm the man, which I guess makes sense because Ult- you're fancy. Ultra pro Seth. Seth. <laughs> you're, you're fancy. Yeah. And, and you're Matt. <laughs> really? Wait. Matt? Yeah. What do you use? Premium Matt Plus or do you use the I, Polar I use Matt? the Polar Matt. You like I the like, brighteners. I do. I, for, again, for, for what I'm currently shooting and printing, I really like it because it, it's just, it reminds me of that old uh, Ilford multigrade with like a three or a four filter on it. Just really snappy. You know, uh, there's a new thing on this site, which I hadn't noticed before, which is uh, different photographers who use Red River paper, who they really like. Okay. Uh, And uh, do you ever see Matt Hoyle's work? He's really great stuff. Uh, But one of them is Burt Monroy. You know him? Oh, yeah. Uh, Burt Monroy, uh, fantastic Photoshop artist. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Burt Monroy is one of their one of the people on their list. And and so, I mean, it it just goes to show you, man, that like we have serious people using this paper. I used Um, to dig watching him on the screensavers. You ever watch the screensavers? The stuff that he does in Photoshop is incredible. And he and he is not he's a man who's not afraid of collapsing layers. Yeah. No, he's a he's a big fan of the flatten. Yeah, man. He's 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 got balls of flattening steel. I'm sure he'll be thrilled to know that. I emailed back and forth with him once about, I was thinking about buying an Epson printer and I, I had some questions and, and I knew he used the same one. So we got back and forth and uh, he was a oh, nice guy. Some, he wrote me back. There's some big people on here. There are some big people on there. Joel Grimes, Chris yeah. Chrisman. Yeah. Serious, serious monster guys. So this is huh. not, this is not for the fainted heart as it were. Yeah. Um, these are serious people using this stuff. So uh, if you, Wow, look at that. It's like it's crazy all the stuff that's on here. Yeah, um, some really nice stuff. So Red River Paper, what they do is they buy big rolls of paper from people all over the world, and then they take them to Dallas and they cut them up. And so you're buying paper that is as good or better than the name brand stuff, uh, the Epson or the HP or the Canon paper you get, most likely better than any of that stuff mm-hmm. uh, for less money because you're kind of buying it direct. Yeah. Uh, and they are super sweet people and they have ICC profiles and they have, they have, they have a blog where they talk about, you know, all the latest printers that come out and, and they, they test them and they let you know what they think. Um, and they're, they're really good people and they support us and you can get, uh, we, what's the deal? We got 10% off, 10% off with OTP and, uh, you can get a, a sample kit for eight bucks. See, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And it, I think they the sample kits they either come with two or three sheets of of all the paper in their line. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, usually twelve ninety nine. They'll give it to you for seven ninety nine if you use the code OTP kits when you order the kit. And then when you come back to buy more of whichever one you like best, which will be Ultra Pro Satin because all of you guys have good taste. <laughs> wow! Uh, you wow. can you can get ten percent off your order by using the promo code OTP. You know, I I would tell you the truth about Polar Matt, but. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> nice. You threw a Sorkin reference in too. <laughs> that was good. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, who's our photographer of the week this week? I don't know. Who is our photographer of the week? Imogen Cunningham. I like is Imogen our photographer Cunningham. I do too. Um, Nikki is also a big fan. She did a spotlight of her. This, this is a lady who, uh, I mean, at the time that she was shooting, okay, uh, photography was still, you know, kind of in its infancy, I guess you could say, couldn't you? Sure. Um, so basically what happened is, is she, she sends away for, for her first camera. She spent $15 for her first camera. 
uh, and started shooting and, and basically had the longest photographic career in history at, at that point. 75 years she was shooting. Wow. Uh, she continued shooting until a week before her death. She died in 1976. Uh, but here, here's a great quote. Nikki put this in the article. We'll link to it in the show notes. When she died, she had been working in photography for more than half of the medium's history. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's that picture of her that I'll put in the show notes, which is my favorite picture ever right now, uh, which is of her coming around the side of a tree with what looks like a Rolleiflex around her neck. Uh Uh-huh. Coming around the side of the tree, like all dotty, like she's, you know, a nun, all all dolled up. Uh, And then she comes around the corner to find this gorgeous nude woman uh, standing on the other side of the tree, this model. Yeah. who's looking at her and the old woman's looking at the young woman. And it's, it's very cute. Apparently this is the first full frontal nude picture ever published in life magazine. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And it's actually, it's a really beautiful photo and it's really cute. The, the way she is. And, and you know, it's funny when you look her up on, uh, on, uh, Wikipedia, it says she's known for her botanical photography, nudes and industrial landscapes. You know what? I want to be known for my botanical photography, nudes and industrial landscapes. How, yeah. do, I, how do I go yeah. about that? Kind of a wide scope. Yeah. Yeah. She's got great, great stuff. She worked for the original Vanity Fair. She did lots of street photography. Uh, you said there's something, something about her and uh, Ansel Adams. Yeah. Uh, there was something about she, Oh, what was this? Let me find it. it, it she convinced Ansel Adams to grow pot. <laughs> Wait, why? I, I, I'll have to find it. It, it, it. He didn't know what it was, and uh, uh, you know what? Let me let me find it. Keep keep talking about how much you you love her, and I'll, okay. I'll find. Uh, it, all black and white, from what I've seen. Have you seen color work of hers? I have not. There, there's uh, toned work like selenium and yeah. sepia, but nothing that I've seen. Yeah, uh, but she she was uh, she worked as a faculty member at the California School of Fine Arts because uh, Ansel Adams invited her to. And Dorothea Lang was there and Minor White, like serious, serious monster people, right? Um, but yeah, she died at age 93 in 1976. So she was alive when you and I were alive. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. And still shooting and had been shooting for, you know, 70 years. What did you say, up until years. hours or a week before her death? A week before she died. And I was thinking about that. I was actually in the shower earlier and I was thinking about being on Wait, your you, deathbed. You were- you were thinking about Imogene Cunningham in the shower? No. Well, yes, tangentially. <laughs> um, uh, because I, I was just thinking that uh, if I was on my deathbed, I, I was actually thinking about my grandfather. My okay. grandfather uh, was a violinist, was a was a pretty serious like jazz violinist guy, and he played in all these big bands and he you know was the band leader for mickey rooney's troop during world war ii and like, oh, I mean, wow. he was this yeah and um in later years he gave it up for a few years and then in later years he took it back up partly because i kept goading him about it and he bought a uh, zeta stratus which is a electric violin okay the company uh, pl- played by jean-luc ponty as well does he use a zeta stratus yeah yeah how do you know that uh simon concert at the greek one year okay and you were like what the heck is he playing and you looked it up yeah it was the weirdest thing ever, but it was awesome. Okay, yeah. well, there you go. Um, so a Zeta Stratus is, is this like electric violin, and I don't think they make them anymore. The company went out of business. Um, but his Zeta is uh, the, the neck broke. I was I don't know why I, I was thinking about this. Oh, because I'm supposed to shoot a violinist this week. 
Um, and I was going to ask him if he was interested in it. And the neck broke at the body, like kind of broke away because it was under tension for so long after he died. Like the, the, okay. the things were never loosened. And, um, and I was just thinking about the fact that like no one, we didn't offer him his violin towards the end, you know, hmm. to see if he wanted it like in bed, you know, to try okay. playing a little bit, you know, for one last time. And I was just thinking if I was a violinist or, you know, I'm a photographer, let's say I continued taking pictures and I'm successful and I'm doing this my whole life on my deathbed. Will I want somebody to hand me a camera or at that point where will I no longer be defined by what I do? And it'll be a deeper thing and I'll, you know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll be beyond the physical world in some mental way. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, there's, there's a heavy twist to the podcast. I was just, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's a story of, uh, of, uh, uh, Abaddon directing and he couldn't hold the camera, but when he was very ill, uh, he had his, his hospital bed wheeled into the studio and he would, he would direct from the hospital bed. Yeah. You know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff like that. Um, famously, what is it? Bach? Uh, couldn't handle things not being finished. So his son was playing something and he didn't finish it. And Bach jumped out of his like deathbed to finish the little thing that he was playing. Cause it drove mm. him so crazy. Mm. Um, I don't know. So I just, it just got me thinking, I don't know what I'm trying to say by that, but it's just, it got me thinking about like having somebody doing something until the very end. But maybe uh, by that point, Bill, it's not you're not doing it because you think it defines you. you. You've you've gotten to a point where it is just it is it is a joy. The act itself is the joy. Yeah. And you want to experience that joy until the last possible moment. Yeah, you're right. I don't you, you, it may be very may very well be. So, you know, I was just thinking if I wonder if people even think about that stuff like literally like as they're, you know, within hours of death, like whether sure. I don't know. Lots of heavy stuff, but uh, uh, yeah, Imogen Cunningham. Oh, great shot! I love that. There's something about that shot of that woman and her. We'll so put great. the uh, the po- it's a it's the story is called Ansel Adams, Imogen Cunningham, and a pot plant. It was uh, okay up on it was on feature shoot. I put it okay. in the show notes. Oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. So uh, black and white, a lot of nude sort of body part kind of pictures. Uh, a lot of these crazy botanical shots, which I personally would like to try some more of. I've been looking to find some weird plants and weird vegetables and stuff to try some of that sort of. Um, uh, who's the guy? Ed who, Weston. No, well, Weston did that kind of stuff that I was talking about. But also, yeah. I did I did some weird things for my mother one time, uh, where Blossfelt. I don't know this person. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll put him on the list. You'll like it. See, you're, you're hip. Did, we, did you see the, the tweet that we got? We got a tweet from somebody who said something about uh, damn, damn my wallet or damn you on my wallet because he's yeah. buying all these books. Yeah. And I he bought and the I, Kirtesh book and the Ache book. And he was buying a printer and I said, buy the printer from Amazon. There okay. you go. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing too. If you guys, you know, want to support the show, if you uh, are going to buy anything on Amazon, if you uh, go to ontakingpictures.com uh, slash podcast and you'll get, you know, the little show notes for each of the podcasts um, down the bottom, there's usually links to Amazon books that we think uh, we like from those particular photographers. Um, if you click on that link and then go anywhere else on Amazon and buy stuff, that'll help support the show because I think we get a few cents yeah. of each and it doesn't, it doesn't cost you anymore. It doesn't cost you anymore. So if you're going to go buy, you know, two dozen diapers, uh, go through the site first and then uh, yeah. help us uh, defray the hey, cost of Here's a, a quick Amazon story. I bought a new screen. I won't go into the whole detail of it. Uh, but 
bought a new screen. It was defective. Uh, Amazon is actually no longer carrying it while they look into the problems behind it. So I bought a different screen on Friday. It came yesterday and the price had dropped like 14 bucks or so uh, since Friday. Called Amazon. They refunded me the difference. Amazon's pretty good, I think. Yeah. And that's, that's not the first time that's happened. Uh, and, and they are, as far as I'm concerned, they're the benchmark for customer service. They, I've never had a problem, knock wood. Uh, they've always been very helpful. And uh, I, I dig you Amazon. Know, I've had the same thing with uh, Newegg, too. Yeah. Well, you see, you've got Newegg right across the river, so you can order like you could order today and have something tomorrow. Yeah. No problem. And and but like you know, I lost that email that had the uh, um, I had a, a gift certificate code in it, and I couldn't find the email. And I got online with one of those like online chat things, and they're like, "What can I help you with?" I said, "Oh, I lost this email. It was a couple months ago." And like before I could even finish, he goes, "Oh, I just resent it to you." And I was nice. like, "Okay, see, that's good. That's what you want." Uh, yeah, and it, it it doesn't. Did you see? Wait, did you see one last thing? Did you see the uh, uh, Tony Mac was talking about Dell building a cheaper twenty seven inch monitor? Yeah, you sent me that right after I bought my new screen. So yeah. thanks for that. You're welcome. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, and you know, we're gonna do. I think we're kind of planning a uh, redux of the Hackintosh episode to build a Hackintosh for uh, Jeffrey's partner Nikki. Yes. Um, so she just asked me about again yesterday. When are you guys going to do that? Okay. Well, we can, we can set it up and and order the stuff this week. Um, Okay. and, uh, cause, uh, Tony Mac, uh, x86.com, uh, had just put out their list of recommended components for Ivy bridge stuff, which is, uh, pretty much the machine that I just built and have been using for the past month or so month and a half. It's a nice site redesign too. That's a lot more efficient. Yeah. Although I don't like, I don't like certain things about it, but we'll get into that later okay um anything else before we wrap this up no i think we're good thank you for listening um actually yeah there, there are a few things okay Look, can, can i run down a few things sure uh we're back in two contact and two. us yeah back, we're back in two and two you, you love the chuck woolery um you can you can send us email podcast at on taking pictures.com uh bill tweets at bill wadman mm-hmm. i tweet at jeffrey sidoris um or at faded and blurred you can follow either one of those um but i I just we keep getting really positive and fantastic feedback and reviews and ratings and it means so much so i I just wanted to say thank you to the people that are doing that and if you haven't um and and you feel inclined uh head over to itunes it it helps people find us it helps people know kind of what we're about and uh, it's very cool. Even if you don't subscribe on iTunes, I think you can go and leave a rating. So if you're listening and you know you don't like using iTunes for your podcast, which I don't, um, yeah, I, I use Pocket Cast. Yeah, I'm a I'm a eye catcher kind of guy, but apparently Downcast is the one to go with now. Really? Uh, is, that, is that the new hotness? That that is the most recent hotness that I've heard of that people say stuff about. Okay. So anyway, uh, uh, yes, I agree wholeheartedly with all that. I love the emails. I love the tweets. And it we, surprises me. I mean, every, every time, you know, because you, uh, it just really surprises me that people take time out of their day mm-hmm. to say, hey, I love this, or hey, I don't like this, or hey, could you talk about this? Uh, it just kind of, it's very cool. I think we have we have a good set of listeners. Yeah. We have, yeah. we have we have good people and and I think that we are doing something here that 
a lot of other podcasts aren't doing. And, you know, it's like we like talking about the philosophy more than the gear. I mean, every once in a while, gear becomes part of it, but but it's not about the latest doodad. It's about what you're trying to do with it and why. Sure. Sure. And, and, and what you're trying to get out of making pictures, which is, which is the whole point, right? I mean, what's the point of doing it if you're not going to have fun? Completely agree. All right. So, yeah. uh, until next time, uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com and, uh, let us know. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Okay.